about craft ADD. I make anything and everything as long as it doesn't involve knitting or crochet. My personal favorite is something that I think is still kind of rare, um, but I think it's picking up speed. Uh, right now, I mean, everyone's heard about 3D printing and what a big deal 3D printing is becoming. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that um, the cosplay community is starting to get involved with 3D printing to make props as well as small costume pieces. And um, uh, a friend of mine who's in the Boston Harry Potter group, David Leung, uh, did a CAD design of the Ministry of Magic logo and sent it off to a site called Shapeways. And what Shapeways done, d- did, Shapeways is essentially Etsy for 3D printing. If you design it, you can send it to them, and they will they will 3D print it and mail it to you, and you can resell your 3D printed, 3D designed objects. And there's actually a growing amount of Harry Potter props that are being recreated on Shapeways. And uh, David literally had this badge um, 3D printed by them and shipped out to him, and he put magnets on it and made it into a pin. And it, it absolutely blew my mind. The level of, of detail that can be done on, on these 3D printers now is unbelievable. Um, other examples I've seen, uh, people doing house crests, um, Death Eater uh, symbols. Um, you know, uh, I don't want to move away from HP, but uh, I've seen some really good uh, Hand of the King pins from Game of Thrones. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Um, and uh, that's my favorite stuff right now with uh, crafting is, is the 3D printing technology. And um, I think it's only a matter of time before we can start designing our own wands and getting those fabricated. It's great knowing all these wonderful uh, already-made items that are out there. Uh, but we also know that meetups are trying to get their members more involved in crafting. The interest in crafting is growing a lot of people aren't sure where to begin, how, what projects to do, what projects are easier to start with, and where to find materials. Why don't each of you give us examples of what your groups have been doing and where you find things and how you get started. I know that one of my group's favorite activities that we do about once a year, Death Eater mask making. A lot of people have wondered, well, how do you start? Because we're not, we don't have the resources to make you know, facial molds. That's a big project. Honestly, the greatest th- thing I do is uh, I find pre-made paper mache blank masks, uh, almost like full masquerade masks, but with no designs on them, just blank white. I get them on eBay in large volume. And um, we order, you know, about 30 or 40 of them, depending on how many people are going to be involved. And they hold acrylic paint really well. Uh, and if we have a certain theme, uh, we might spray paint all of them ahead of time. And we pretty much buy a bunch of acrylic paints, usually in the more, you know, Death Eatery colors, silvers and golds and, and blacks and a lot of glitter, and then uh, pr- sometimes provide a bag of feathers for the more uh, festive Death Eaters amongst us. We just let people go at it, and they, they usually come up with some really, really, really cool mask designs. I have to say, Death Eaters are pretty monochrome. You don't see any hot pink Death Eater masks out there. I'm really disappointed in you guys. You're going to take a look at our photo gallery. <laughs> <laughs> There's some pretty fabulous Death Eaters in my group. Adrian, do you have any suggestions? Well, um, I did mention what we've done in the past. Um, again, I'm usually the administrator, so I and a couple of my um, leadership team will go out and get the cheapest materials possible so we have a greater, greater return on investment when we're trying to sell our craft. Mm-hmm. So for fabric, because we've made so many of those ding Harry Potter pillows, um, we go to downtown. We're, we are um, lucky that we are in Los Angeles and the fa- uh, fashion district is downtown, so... You go down there with cash, and you get your haggle on. 
<laughs> so they say three dollars yard. Oh no 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 no! You don't leave until you get it for a dollar yard. Another great place we get um, materials specifically for our jewelry is I get it from eBay. We get a lot of our lion and um, you know owl and eagle and all those charms from China, and you can get like a lot of a hundred for like ten dollars. And you can get beads, you can get findings for earrings, you can get almost anything on eBay. And I think you mentioned you also get your stuff from eBay, John. Um, it's a great way to find inexpensive craft supplies. In bulk. In bulk. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely in bulk. When we are when we're forced to get something that's um, in a quick manner where we don't have the forty five to ninety day wait to get something from China, we'll go out to Joanne's or Michael's. And um, the key with those kind of places is definitely use coupons. Get the app on your smartphone, and they come straight to your phone. Use the coupons. They're, they're a godsend. One of, my, one of my members once said to me that if you're not paying at least 40% off on something in Joanne's, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. That's true. <laughs> there's like a third place. AC more, depending on where you are. Hobby Lobby. In our area, there's a Hobby Lobby, too. Oh, yeah, Hobby Lobby is really rare on the East Coast, but I have heard it, it pretty much is, is very equivalent to the others. I think they're all Depending pretty much... Depending on what you're into, you can find independent. Oh, yeah. Like the yarn and that sort of, and fabric specifically. We have we have some wonderful bead stores in Manhattan that are pretty much, they're comparable to online prices, and they're just, just these huge bead supermarkets. It's actually kind of crazy. You can get lost for hours. Um, and it, Sam Moon, you can also find some HP-looking charms there. Lightning bolts and such. Jen, um, so do you have any uh, any particular hints and tips? I just gave you mine. Sam <laughs> Moon has <laughs> has charms. Were you not listening, John? Sorry. <laughs> um, you guys pretty much covered it all. I, I haunt the craft stores and uh, rock me some coupons. Well, uh, there are also some errand stores that I like. I gotta look for the red tags. Every <laughs> you buying clearance with a coupon. Well, it depends on what I'm making. I do um, like felt applique type stuff, like embroidery hoops. For that, I use kind of higher quality felt, and so there's a source on Etsy that I get that from, just because I want the the better quality. Yeah, one area right. I'm completely ignorant about, but I know that a lot of my members love this, and that's uh, that's HP uh, knitting and crocheting. Um, where, where do people, where do people learn about this? Where do, where do they, where do they find out these crochet patterns? Do they just make them up, come up with them on their own? I, I, I'm, you, I'm completely ignorant. You can make them up on your own. It depends on how experienced you are. Uh, I knit and I'm actually just learning how to crochet because it's an easier way to make owl eyes. Like you were saying, as far as like quality, um, I've kind of shifted from using less expensive yarns for my house scarves, which are, uh, a fun favor. I, I try and convert people and get them to read the books and their prizes. They get a house scarf. Oh, um, wow. I like that. So <laughs> it's kind of it's, it's a reaction to spread the love, you know. And um, I've kind of shifted from using less expensive yarns to ordering online because I want a really specific metallic color. Um, I'm kind of a, a canon snob, so <laughs> bronze is really hard to find. Um, yeah, especially pretty bronze because bronze, yeah, cheap bronze yeah. looks horrible. Oh, it's so bad. It's just, it's like orange. It's really just, I don't even know what people are thinking. Or burnt, but um, pattern wise, burnt umber. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or it's listed as gold and it's actually bronze, which is that's very annoying as well. Um, 
But uh, for patterns, Ravelry is a great place, especially if you're looking for something just to inspire you. It's a store. Uh, or if you're looking for something really detailed. It's a website, right. Ravelry.com, and you can find a treasure trove of potter-themed uh, craft ideas on there. And some of the patterns are just super simple. Beginner knitters can do it. And if you want to learn how to knit, YouTube. There are some amazing detailed videos that will walk you through step-by-step. Step. And before you know it, you'll be making your own house guard. That's awesome. I'm particularly fond of house fingerless gloves. Oh, yeah. Those are fun, too. That's one of my favorites. I like hats. I, li- I like hats are great. Jen, I know that you're pretty involved in the HP craft community and you keep a good reference list of all the of different places to go and, and where to find stuff. Uh, can you give us a few of those? Sure. There is a great HP crafting community online, and it is very open and welcoming, and I think that everybody should get involved if you're even slightly interested in crafting. My favorite place is crafter.org. There's a huge HP community on there. In fact, they have an ongoing Harry Potter craft-along where people join the craft-along, and they're sorted in houses, and they post pictures of the crafts that they make. They earn house points for those crafts. And then they receive, like, little badge awards for completing different challenges, and there's class-specific challenges, there are Quidditch challenges, and it's a really fun forum filled with lots of community and and lots of really awesome ideas. Crafter is also really great if you like doing craft swaps, and I'm a little bit of a craft swap addict. I have to limit myself. There are some amazing HP craft swaps that go on. And what happens in a craft swap is basically you create something and you send it off to another person, and they create something and send it to you in return. I've received some of the most amazing HP crafts that you can imagine, stuff that is beyond my skill level. And um, it's, it's a great way to meet other fans that you wouldn't necessarily meet either. So crafters, fantastic. There's also a Yahoo Harry Potter craft group that has over 1,900 members. They're pretty big, and um, they were tied into Wikicrafts um, at one point. So they're, they're pretty huge. There's a good community going on there. And obviously, if you're looking to buy crafts, Etsy's their place because, as everybody knows, or most people know, you can find pretty much anything on Etsy.com, and it's it's really geared towards crafters selling their wares. There are some really cool HP crafts on there, and there's some DIY kits if you want to do that. That is all fantastic. Now, I want everyone to remember, Always Podcast is about the Harry Potter fans. So we want to see what you're working on. Eventually, we're going to put together a crafting album on our website to show off what you're all creating. So please, send us photos of your crafts to alwayspodcast at gmail.com, and very soon, when we get enough, we're going to put them up on the website, and you can all see what everyone's been working on. Also, remember that every link that we've mentioned in this conversation will be on our website in our episode synopsis. And we'll throw in a few extra links for you guys, too, just for fun. Next up, we have Adrian with Potter Watch, giving you all the latest news in the world of Potter. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Potter Watch. First up is the Harry Potter U.S. Postal Stamps. They were released on November 19th, and I don't know if you guys saw the photos that we posted on our Facebook page, but Ivana Lynch was there, and uh, the 
The stamps are all the top movie stills. They're in collector books. Did any of you guys get that? I know I ordered mine online. I haven't opened the bag yet. I I feel like if I open the bag, I'm going to use them. But did you guys oh, order God, stamps? Don't, don't, don't use the stamps. <laughs> don't use the stamps. I don't use the stamps. Although I need a stamp, I need to send a payment off for something. Oh, then buy a boring stamp. <laughs> I am totally using those stamps. Send them out into the world and indoctrinate others into the awesome that is Harry Potter. Come on. Convert the masses. You're killing me. You're killing me. Don't use the stamps. (laughs) Well, uh, serious stamp collectors, not necessarily Harry Potter fans, there's been some um, pushback on this actually this week. It was posted, I think, on Huffington Post or LA Times. I can't remember. But stamp collectors do not like the stamps because they feel that the content is not American. And the overall look and feel is non-traditional. What are your thoughts? Well, I know that um, America has always been different with its stamps compared to other countries in that they, the, the U.S. Postal Service has been kind of pushed back against commercialization of stamps. They've always been uh, you know, famous people or musicians or arts and, and community, whereas other countries completely commercialize their stamps. Uh, Harry Potter stamps have been, of course, been in in England, in Norway, I think Australia had a series. So America has always been fairly resistant to that. So I can understand why uh, people who are stamp collectors, which is a very old hobby, very traditional hobby, would be upset by this encroachment of, of corporate America, so to speak. As a Harry Potter fan, I'm thrilled. But I can understand why stamp collectors would be upset. So um, moving on, Harry Potter fan videos, I mean, there's a ton out there. But just uh, over the last couple of weeks, there's a few that have become really popular. The first is The Greater Good, and it's based on um, the epic battle between Grindelwald and Dumbledore where Ariana dies. And it premiered in L.A., and actually the L.A.D. was invited to come to that. I unfortunately had plans that didn't make it, but they had a red carpet premiere on December 2nd at the Independent Theater in downtown L.A. It went live online uh, December 3rd, and as of today, almost 80,000 views on YouTube, and that's less than, you know, a month. Have you guys seen the Greater Good fan film? I, I thought it was outstanding. I, I love how every take on Harry Potter fan films is different. I like how I like the special effects are very unique. They were very different from what we've seen before, very dynamic. I thought the wardrobe could have been a little bit better. I thought they were a little more casual, but otherwise, I thought it was excellently done. Are you upset that they weren't wearing, like, traditional wizard robes, like dresses? No. Because um, I, I, I actually thought that it, their, their wardrobe was probably reminiscent of the time of this battle. No, well, you, you got to remember, there are people... The New York group, we have a, whole, a lot of really, really sharp customers. Um, so I'm I'm really biased, and I probably am not the best person to critique. <laughs> um, a, a, a one that I absolutely adore, too, is um, the Harry Potter in real life. Did you see this? It was done by Improv Anywhere, oh, Everywhere. And, and a little boy goes into Penn Station and pretending he's Harry Potter with an owl and everything and asks where Platform 9 and 3 quarters was. Wasn't that an amazing video? That was, was so great. adorable. It was, it was very, very brilliant. They, I love the fact that they used Penn Station instead of Grand Central. My favorite was the redhead man who introduced himself to the boy as Ron. I, I love the fact that so many people were into it. Yeah. It, 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 I, love, I love my city. All right, moving right along. The Harry Potter Exhibition opened on November 23rd in 
Edmonton, Canada at Tell's World, and the Phelps twins were there. That's Fred and George Weasley. Um, Maria Jenkins, a fellow Harry Potter organizer from the Edmonton Harry Potter group, um, was interviewed on the local news show, and her group actually did like a Quidditch match um, on the air. If you want to see the video, you can see it on our Always Podcast Facebook page. Let's talk about the theme park. Today, we just saw the first uh, images of number 12 Broomall Place for the Wizarding World in Orlando. Did you guys see that? No, I didn't. I didn't even know no. about that. I've only seen out the outside of uh, Diagon Alley. Sean, I really posted it on, on our Facebook, on our Always Podcast Facebook page. Clearly, you're not you're not monitoring that. <laughs> Unlike what I'm many, just spoilers. Unlike what many people think about me, I am not constantly online. So they're really okay. they're, they're really doing Twelve Grimoire Place. There really is. Honestly, go on our Facebook page right now, and there is Number Twelve Grimoire Place, and it's the gray building, and then you can see. Um, one of the the flats kind of has a darker colored um, darker colored uh, bricks, I and mean, it's probably because it's assumed that it's you know it's kind of hidden until someone is a secret keeper and can go there, and then it expands out. So it's dirt, the bricks are dirtier, I guess. But check it out; it's pretty cool. It's spot on. Wow! I really did right. not did not expect that. That is. <laughs> are you on now? Are you just? I am, are you like, really, are you I, am on I am literally <laughs> looking at the image right now. I cannot, I cannot believe that that building looks real. John, I really feel like you should keep on top of our Facebook page because <laughs> I, I am on the Harry Potter fandom stuff. As, as soon as I get it, I post it. I'm just saying, as a co-host, you should have known. <laughs> I just, I am, I am still flabbergasted. I'm sorry. Continue with the news. <laughs> okay, moving along. Um, Warner Brothers tour at Leeson. Um, they announced that they were doing um, Hogwarts at Christmas, and it's going to have all Christmas theme and snow. And it was supposed to end at the beginning of January, but apparently it's so popular that they're extending it out to February 2nd. I've been to Leeds, and I, I am actually going to be going um, to Europe in a few weeks. And I wasn't planning on going to London, but this is tempting me to see Hogwarts Castle totally engulfed in snow. So... I don't know if anybody's if anybody's been to the exhibit this this month. Please do send in your pictures. I'd love to see what it looks like. How why I'm crying a little inside. I want to go so bad. Right. Um, it, it is it is it is beautiful. I mean, I went in the summer month, and there's a whole room that I think we talked about in the last episode. A whole room that is dedicated to the Hogwarts Castle, and it's as big as as a house. Oh, yeah, I mean, Hogwarts at Christmas is just like extra special magic. Here's officially what it says. Explore the Great Hall, which will be lined with Christmas trees, along with festoons of holly, mistletoe, and golden wreaths. Two long dining tables will also be dressed as they were for seasonal feasts with provisions of turkeys, hams, fruit, vegetables, plum puddings, and snow cakes. See the hand-knitted jumpers that Molly Weasley gave Ron and Harry for Christmas in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Other costumes will include the first Christmas present Harry received at Hogwarts, his invisibility cloak, and the dress Luna Lovegood wore to the Slug Club Christmas party in the half. Doesn't that sound magical? Absolutely. Big news um, in the Harry Potterverse um, this month is Bloomsbury is going to re-release the Harry Potter books with Jim Kay as an illustrator starting in September of 2015. All seven Harry Potter novels will be illustrated in color by Kay. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is due to release in September of 2015, and Bloomsbury is working with publishers around the world to schedule simultaneous publication dates. So I guess we're all going to get them around the same time, and then the rest of the novels 
will follow at yearly intervals, uh, recreating, says The Guardian, um, the UK newspaper, the feel of the original releases. Are you guys excited about the news, or is it, um, I was super excited when it happened in the U.S., the Kazuki Uishi hovers. What do you, what do you feel about uh, the Jim K. art? I wasn't excited at first. Because I was like, do we really need another Harry Potter book? But then I saw the artwork, and I got excited. Maybe you guys can answer a question I have about this. What's the level of illustration? Is this going to be like the old school, like Alice in Wonderlands, with, with almost a, almost an image on every page? Or is this going to be just chapter title graphics and such? I assumed it was going to be the chapter headers that Mary Grand Prix did, like the little, the little icons. But it can't be that because did you see the two images that were released? There's a view of Hogwarts that he did. There's a picture of Harry as well, I believe. Those are aren't chapter header images. Are any of you familiar familiar with the fairy tale books that Hilda Brandt put out in the uh, early 80s? Unfortunately not. He's an incredible fantasy artist, but um, when I heard that they were re-releasing the books, I was kind of hoping for something more like that, where he does like full-color paintings. Every two, two or three chapters, there's an amazing illustration. As opposed oh, wow. to being scattered throughout. So, uh, the images that I saw were yeah. full color. So they're going to be full yeah. color inside the book. If that's the case, yeah. that's the case, I'll be excited. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be full color in the book, but the two images that I saw were full color, and, and they were really nice. Yeah, full color. Yeah. Uh, that would be exciting. And I do need to replace my first two. This covers have officially fallen off. So. I'm still waiting for the Harry Potter graphic novel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what is that happening? It'll be like 90 volumes, but I don't care. <laughs> Other top news is J.K. Rowling was named as one of Britain's top 10 literacy heroes by the National Trust. These winners made inspiring and significant strides to improve their own literacy or create positive opportunities for others. Really excited. I mean, J.K. Rowling is a fantastic person. She's an amazing woman. Other part of news that's happened is the Wimsic Alley settlement with Warner Brothers. So court documents say that Wimsic Alley can no longer sell unlicensed clothing, accessories, paraphernalia, whatnot, wands. They can't have Harry Potter-themed events, and they can't have any Harry Potter decor up at the store. But they can sell licensed products, and I think that that was something that was agreed upon in their 2004 lawsuit kind of come full circle again. They can no longer do the unlicensed stuff. Tabitha, as a, a crafter, what are your thoughts on this? I was concerned when I first uh, read the uh, the injunction just because it seems the language is kind of sweeping as far as saying that anything confusingly similar to Harry Potter, which is pretty much anything wizard-related at this point, uh, anything that wizards would use or wizards would have or look like it is wizardy, you know, in danger as far as Stan is concerned. For smaller time crafters, I don't think that there's really a threat. People who have like Etsy pages and whatnot are usually careful to avoid using the name Harry Potter or verbiage that's directly affiliated to protect themselves from that to begin with. I'm hoping that it just kind of only affects him, but we'll have to see what happens. Did you guys all see the Amazon um, delivery service kind of um, the like kind of our own concept? <laughs> yeah, that they were. Yeah. I, for one, welcome our delivery robot overlords. I first thought it was it was it wasn't real. I thought that there was some kind of spoof. I'm like, there has to be 
some kind of safety issues here, you know, maybe like a, an airplane hitting them or a bird getting caught in, in a drone. I, I don't know, but apparently it is a real concept that they are exploring. And when that came out, Waterstones, a UK bookstore, did a spoof video kind of announcing um, owl delivery service that can soon get your book via owl. Uh, it'll take a, a little while because it takes a couple years to train an owl. Magical powers, you think they'd come up with a better postal system. <laughs> it was kind of like a spoof, a spoof back, like, okay, you know, all right, Amazon, you're going to deliver deliver books by a drone. We're going to deliver books by an owl. And we thought that was very Harry Potter-esque and super cute. I love British humor. I do, too, and that's it for Potter Watch. When they say every flavor, they mean every flavor. Put your hands in, who knows what you're getting. Bertie Bots, every Moving right along, we have Wizarding Wares with Jen. And now for Wizarding Wares, where we share our favorite fan finds. Just like last time, I'm going to be bringing you some cool things that I've dug up over the past weeks to share with you. I'm really excited about the first find because it's a new one for me. I didn't know that custom-brewed teas were a thing, but apparently they are. So if you go to adagio.com, users can browse and purchase custom tea blends or make their own, and it appears that a lot of Harry Potter fans have been making their own custom blends. In fact, you can get a Magic Potion sampler, which is a set of 10 tea blends, including Skelligo, Veritaserum, Draught of Peace, Amartentia, and many others. And it's $39 for 10 tins. So if you're curious what Felix Felicis tastes like, it's a rubious tea with elements of almond, hazelnut, and caramel, and supposedly it brews up to a lovely red-gold color with a rich smell. I'm definitely putting this on my wish list and, and getting a set of these because they sound lovely. Each blend comes in a small one-ounce tin with a custom label. Sampler pack, as I said, is $39 and includes 10 tins. Or you can buy individual teas in a three-ounce pouch for $10 each. A loose-leaf tea, so you're going to need a tea infuser if you're going to do this to properly brew them. Moving on to other warm things. I am a big fan of throws. I like to curl up on the couch with a lovely blanket, and there are some gorgeous Harry Potter ones. I recently found a Marauder's Map throw by the Northwest Company. It's available on Amazon, and it looks like a giant Marauder's Map. It's it's very, very pretty, and I will be getting it for Christmas because, yes, I did peek at my wish list because, you know, we're all a little bit Slytherin. I want an umpa-lumpa now! And for my final find this week, we have a Severus Snape cameo. Now, full confession here, I'm actually friends with the wonderful crafter who makes these, and they are fantastic. I've watched her hand sculpt the polymer clay bases for these, so she, she does all of that work, and then she casts them in resin. So it's a white sculpted figure on a black background featuring a book-style Snape, which is my favorite because as much as I love movie Snape, he's too pretty. Book Snape has a hook nose and looks like he has a hook nose on this cameo, but he does have the movie buttons because, let's face it, they're kind of awesome. So you can choose your background and your setting. You can choose to have your cameo as a hairpin, a brooch, a necklace, a lapel pin. There's also, for you Dark Lord fans out there, a Voldemort cameo, no nose, also pretty awesome. 
So make sure to check our website for the links to all of our wizarding wares today. And if you have a favorite find you'd like to share, please send us now with all the details. Every day I go out, it's a little bit colder. Need to wear my awesome scarf, I've got my permission slip. Updating you on all the various shenanigans HP fans are up to, we have Fandom Fidelis. Since our previous podcast, HP Ohio has formally launched their Loveland Castle Crystal Ball event, which will be held on January 11th. Rooms in the castle itself go very quickly, but HP Ohio has additional nearby hotels ready. For more information, visit cball.hpohio.com. If you will be at the Arisia Convention in Boston, make sure to attend author and HP fan Cecilia Ann's Hogwarts Alumni Reunion Room Party in the Convention Hotel. This is an ages 21 and up party. Check our website episode recap the Facebook event link. The Houston Harry Potter meetup had a magical opportunity and got to march in the Houston Thanksgiving Day Parade with the cast of Potted Potter. You can see pictures of them in the parade on their Facebook page. Check our fan group directory for links. Houston Harry Potter's January meetup will be Storytime at Hogwarts as members read from Tales of Beetle the Bard, January 26th. The Central Florida Slug Club will be showing tourists the right way to visit Hogsmeade at their second annual Hogsmeade Weekend and Cosplay Day at the Universal Wizarding World. This will be taking place January 24th through 26th. The Los Angeles HP Meetup will be having the sixth annual White Hippogriff Gift Exchange January 4th. I see you shiver with anticipation. Put on your garter belts and sequined hats. HP Dallas-Fort Worth is going to Rocky Horror Picture Show January 25th. The DADA of Virginia is having an adult kid scavenger hunt at the National Gallery of Art January 4th. Also on January 4th is Edmonton, Canada's HP Meetup's epic charity Yule Ball. This is a black tie event with open candy bar, cash drink bar, live music, and a silent auction. Proceeds will be going to a youth empowerment charity. That is our event roundup this month. Remember that links to all these events can be found on our episode summaries at alwayspodcast.com. Everyone have a wonderful new year, and make sure not to break the statute of secrecy. This is John Rosenthal with Fandom Fidelis. Welcome, everybody, to Into the Pensieve. It's a brand new segment um, where we are going to interview Harry Potter fans, and they're going to share their stories on how the Harry Potter fandom has impacted their lives. This episode, we're going to delve into the fandom memories of Jenny Mendoza, who's from Los Angeles, California, and Kat L. from the ATL in Atlanta. Um, we're going to start with Jenny. Um, Jenny, what's your Hogwarts house? Hi, I'm uh, in Ravenclaw. Now, do you identify with Ravenclaw, or did Pottermore put you in Ravenclaw? Uh, both. Well, I've always identified with Ravenclaw since I read the books, but once I got into Pottermore, I had all my gear on, and then when it finally said I was part of that house, I freaked out. Now, what? why do you identify with Ravenclaw? Um, it's just, I just feel like it's full of all the nerds that, like me, like who aren't particularly seeking adventure, but find adventure in books and, and are just bookish and... Um, just enjoy learning. Oh, cool. Now, are you um, part of any Harry Potter group? Yes, I'm part of the awesome Los Angeles Dumbledore's Army, um, run by some girl who's equally awesome named Adrienne. <laughs> 
Well said, well said. Now, what's your most magical memory with the LADA? Um, probably my first one. Our first, well, my first meetup was called Honey Duke's Chocolate Workshop, and we made um, chocolate frogs and fever fudge and had all these games that revolved around candy. But what sticks out the most for me is just how welcoming everyone was. I was the only new person that day, and everyone was just really, um, you know, just had their arms open and was really into just being, making friends with uh, new people, and I really enjoyed that, and I've been an active member ever since. Awesome. Now, what's your muggle occupation? I am a graphic designer in the South Bay. Awesome. Now, have you used any of your graphic designing skills for the fandom in any way? I have. I've been really fortunate enough to um, be able to do some logos for the LADA, um, mainly their main logo. I did the Always Potter Podcast logo, and I made um, you know business cards and some signage. Um, it's not work for me because it's two things that I love like melded together, and I actually really enjoy contributing. Great. Have you done the Potter pilgrimage? And what I mean by the pilgrimage is travel to any of the Harry Potter filming sites or, you know, the exhibitions or the theme park. Have you done any of that? I've done almost all of the above, much <laughs> to the chagrin of my father, who thinks my obsession is a little bit expensive. But um, I have been to Florida. I went about a month or two after it opened in Orlando. I went to, I saw the exhibition in New York and in Singapore, and I also went to London to visit Leavesden. Okay. And um, what did you think about Leavesden? I thought Leavesden was amazing. I got this um, package that left from London. Um, it took. It was like a double-decker bus that took you to the studio, and it would come back to London like three hours later. And I was at Leavesden by myself for like seven hours. I even told the guy when I got off the bus, like, just so you know, you're going to be one passenger less when you go back because I'm, I'm going to find my way back to London by myself. <laughs> All right. Now, how has the Harry Potter fandom impacted your life, Jenny? It's just something that was really an escape. Like, everyone has a story to tell about um, struggles that they've gone through in their lives. But for me, Harry Potter, like the book series, was always there for me to escape from all of that you know, from my parents separating to my mom's cancer. It was just a really nice way to, to get away from all of that, from thinking too much about all this, like, negative stuff and sort of delving into a fantasy world where, you know, pretty much anything is possible. I think you told me something that um, didn't your mom buy you the first book of the Harry Potter yeah. series? Yeah, my mom was um, sick most of my life. She had Hodgkin's disease. And I was at the hospital a lot, and um, I would definitely go there on the weekends when I was in high school, but I would have to go through school and stay with my dad during the week. And one one week, I, I got there, and there were two books sitting on, like, this, like, little cot that I was I had been sleeping on, and they were books one and two. And my mom was so excited that she got them for me because she wasn't able to do much for me for, like, the past few weeks, and a nurse recommended them to her. Even though I wasn't there when she bought them, it's always, like, a great memory I think about, like, my mom, like, you know, in, like, a little wheelchair going to the gift shop, buying me these books and being so excited. And they absolutely, like, it's so cheesy, but they absolutely changed my life. I was 14 at the time, and I was super, like, aggro, like, my mom being sick and just high school was starting. And um, I got these books, and it was just, like, all the noise in the hospital just went away. And it was a great, 
um, escapist sort of moment for me, and I look forward to reading them, like, every weekend after that. And that's half my life. I'm 28 now. 14 years later, I'm, like, still a huge, huge fan. When you're going through this tough time in your life and the Harry Potter books were there for you, did you have friends who also liked the series and shared the same passion of, you know, Harry Potter like you did? Actually, no, not at all. Um, a lot of people just, you know, it wasn't really for them. And I actually wasn't really pushing people to read it. It was just sort of like, if you read it, you read it. Some people liked it, but no one was, like, on my same level. Even through, like, college, like, I would have to, like, drag roommates and friends to come with me to, um, you know, like, book premieres and all that kind of stuff. But it really wasn't until I moved to California did I meet one friend. Um, his name is Jeff who, like, really was on my same level, but then he moved away, and so I didn't have, like, a Harry Potter nerd friend that I could hang out with all the time, which is actually what brought me to the LADA, because I was like, there has to be people like me out there who are in their, like, late 20s or more who love this stuff as much as I do. And to that point, why do you think Harry Potter resonates as a fandom to so many adults, even though it's, quote-unquote, a young adult book series? Well, I think it definitely starts off young. Um, I think I'm, I was so into it just because I was going through that kind of like, you know, preteen angst when Harry was at the same time. I sort of, I grew up with the books, so I have that point of view. But I think, you know, as the books go on and they get darker, like like books three and on, it's just really relatable. Like everyone has a story of how they lost someone they love or how they were wrong about someone, you know, like Harry had misconceptions about Sirius. Um, and I just thought it was just really relatable, but on a level where it wasn't, it was, it's just really magical and without being condescending. And um, I just, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't, I guess I really don't have like an educated answer. It just, it just is. <laughs> okay. And then finally, if you met J.K. Rowling, the queen, and you could only say one thing, what would you say to her? If if I could get words out, because I'd be blubbering and crying, I, w- I would probably just be able to muster, like, thank you. Because, you know, she gave me, like, this this world that I could really lose myself in and um, have been able to, to grow up with, like, this whole time. And I, I'm pretty sure, even if, like, even if I could go back in time and constantly relive that moment, I'm pretty sure all I would be able to say, like, blurt out would be thank you. And I'd bum right. her for a hug. Of course, even though that, like, the security guards might, like, yeah. and that probably yeah. wouldn't happen. Now, um, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to share with, you know, other Harry Potter fans listening? If, if someone is not part of a meetup group, like, if you're just a Harry Potter fan and you you're, you just feel like you're the only one out there, like, uh, in your neighborhood, I would, like, totally branch out and try to find other people. I actually went to, I just randomly found a Groupon for um, a Wizard Rock show, and I decided to go because I was like, okay, I'm not going to know anybody there, but I'm sure I can meet people, and that's actually how I found out about the LADA, and um, it totally changed my life. Like, you just make lifelong friends to just understand everything that, you know, you went through, and how you feel about a book series, um, and you could just, like, nerd out together. And I think everyone needs that in their lives, especially if you feel like it's not attainable, it's not around you. And then one funny question, Twilight, thumbs up or thumbs down? 
thumbs down. <laughs> okay, we don't you don't have to expand on it. Just wanted to see what your stance on this. <laughs> okay. well, thank you so much, Jenny. Next up is Kat. What Hogwarts house are you? I was Pottermore sorted into Slytherin. However, when I first got into the fandom, my friends put me into Hufflepuff. Okay, so which one do you identify with, though? I think I am always concerned about myself and making sure that I'm okay, but I'm also really concerned about um, my friends and my loved ones. So I I guess I could be a, a Slytherpuff mix, but... If I had to pick one, I'd, I'd probably stick me into Hufflepuff. Okay. And what does it mean to be a Hufflepuff? You're still strong, despite what people think of you, and caring is not um, a negative trait. You can still care about people and care about yourself and want to make the world a better place without having to be super ambitious or super brave or really smart you can do your part no matter what others think of you. I understand Hufflepuffs are famous for making sandwiches. Is that true? Well, they are apparently famous for making sandwiches, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact of the Hufflepuff dorm being so near the kitchens, it's easy to slip in there whenever we get hungry. So, you know, there's a lot of practice in there. I know you're not currently with the Harry Potter group, but what group were you with before and kind of what, what happened to that group? I was with the uh, Atlanta HP, which was the fan group born in 2004 here in Atlanta. It was started by four friends, um, and I found out about it through Dragon Con, the science fiction convention that's held in Atlanta every year. Uh, they had a, just Atlanta HP business cards were littering the hotel, so I picked one up and I went to a group, but um, we met every month. We would have discussion. We would play games, and we just became really a huge, you know, local family together. Uh, Unfortunately, we would take turns hosting every month, and as Harry Potter, the final book was released and the final movie was released, we branched out individually into other fandoms, but our organizers were not as willing to branch out, so Atlanta HP Unfortunately, it was uh, disbanded. That's unfortunate, but I understand that you're moving um, somewhere Rhode Island-ish, Boston-ish, right? And that's happening next year. Are you looking to join an existing group there, or you want to plan, uh, like start your own group? Or are you going to like ride the Nimbus 2000 Harry Potter fandom by yourself up there? What, what are your plans? I have been welcomed with open arms into HP Salem. I am uh, looking forward to that. I am sure that I will be welcome into HP Connecticut. Uh, I believe there are plans to start an HP Boston group as well. Uh, if there is not an HP Connecticut or HP Rhode Island group, I know there is a science fiction club up there, but I don't know if there's a specific Harry Potter fan group. Then I would love to try to start up a meetup of not only uh, Harry Potter, but other fandoms as well. Have you been to a Harry Potter convention? I have been to a number of Harry Potter conventions, and I am very proud of that fact to the unfortunate embarrassment of my uh, parents. <laughs> and I've I've loved them all. I've met so many wonderful people from around the world. I've had 
so many great experiences. I've had the ability to meet a number of the actors who have been in the movies. Um, some of them have become good personal friends as well. And I, I have enjoyed every moment that I've spent not only attending the conventions, but also being on staff and volunteering with them as well. And talk to me about some of your crazy cosplay outfits. They're always a lovely sight to see. Uh, when I last counted my outfits, I had 10 Harry Potter outfits. Um, my first one was Professor Sprout, which I did for, uh, I believe, the Half-Blood Prince book release. Um, the Atlanta HP, we had been invited to go to uh, Barnes & Noble and help out with their Harry Potter book release event, and we just wanted to dress up. So I threw together an outfit, uh, Professor Sprout, in her formal robes from the Chamber of Secrets movie. It turned out to be a really huge hit, so that's one of my um, most famous costumes. But I've also done costumes as Winky in her uh, house elf clothes and Winky in her street walker clothes because butterbeer is expensive. I have a Gay Pride Dumbledore. I have a Molly Weasley. I've done Mundungus Fletcher as the hag in the Hogshead Pub. Um, and I also have a Madame Rosemanta. Now, I saw pictures of you in your um, gay Dumbledore support um, cosplay, and I think you walked in the Atlanta Pride a couple times in that outfit, right? We have, actually, and that's one of my favorite memories with the Atlanta HP group. We were invited to participate in the um, in the Atlanta Pride parade, uh, and it just it came out that, you know, we it would be great if we had a Dumbledore. Uh, a friend had... Um, like a lilac robe, and I had purple shoes, so we put the whole outfit together. I got a beard and a wig set and spray-painted it up to make it look a little more like Dumbledore, and I had um, all other Atlanta HP members carrying signs to say we we support uh, we support our gay headmaster and, and we love Dumbledore and gay rights for all. Uh, we They were walking through the parade and chanting, you know, we love our gay headmaster. And I would go about and hug participants on the side of the roads. I would toss candy to kids. I would dance in the middle of the street. And it was a really good time, and everybody just seemed to love us. Here is the heavy question. How has the Harry Potter fandom impacted your life? The Harry Potter fandom really came at a point in my life when I was kind of alone. You know, I had friends but I didn't really have anybody that I could connect to. And I felt like, you know, here I am an adult because at the time I started reading the books, I was 27 years old. I didn't start reading until about 2004. So I'm an adult and I'm reading a kid's book. I mean, there can't possibly be other adults who are into this book series. And that's why I'm so glad that I found Atlanta HP because there were other adults and it made me feel not so alone. And through them, they encouraged me to start going to conventions where I met more people who gave me the, the confidence to believe that, you know, it's okay to believe in something like this. It's, a, it's okay to, you know, be a little non-adult sometimes. And those people that I've met have just become the most important people in my life. So how did you feel when the last book came out? Did you go to a midnight um, release, and was it, you know, a bucket full of emotions, or was it you were just so excited it didn't it didn't hit you that it was like the last one? How did you feel? 
We did go as a group, Atlanta HP, to the midnight release, and then we all went to um, a couple different houses, and we had a sleepover read-along. So we all just took our own copies of the book, and we reread through it and stayed up all night to read it. And at the end, we would go off into another room, and we could talk to each other if we'd already finished reading it, but we didn't want to spoil it for anyone else. And at that point, when you read the end of the book and you realize just how much it impacts you and how much that you understand now at the end that you didn't while you were reading it, once everything finally comes together, it kind of catches you like this This is a world. This is something that, you know, not only is it a story and in somebody's mind, but this can translate to our world as well. And that, that really kind of makes it sad but worthwhile. What a Harry Potter character do you identify with and why? I actually had to give this some thought. <laughs> because of my need to mother hen people and make sure that everybody else is okay before me, I've kind of been dubbed Molly Weasley. <laughs> and okay. I, it's, So it's a good thing that I actually have her costume so I can Molly Weasley to my heart's content. And then finally, what would you see in the mirror of said? It's it's a really hard question because I don't really think we know our deepest heart's desire or we wouldn't, we wouldn't need the mirror of said. But I've gotten so much from being in the fandom and knowing the people I do that I think at our base level, all people just want to be loved and accepted and supported. And I've found so much of that through the Harry Potter community that I don't think that there's anything else I really need. Everything else is materialistic. You know, a home, possessions, you know, financial gain or stability. In the end, we all just need people. And I have that in spades. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the Harry Potter community? Never think that you're alone. One, one of my greatest experiences at a convention was the ability to lead a panel called Potterholics Anonymous. And one of my beautiful co-hosts was Miss Adrian. <laughs> and we talked about our fandom and our groups and how we got started. No matter how alone you feel, get some index cards and offer to host people at a coffee shop or a restaurant and put them up in libraries or bookstores or, you know, public schools, college campuses, and just have a place where you can meet people so they can come and they realize that they're not alone as well. It only takes one person who's brave enough to stand out there and say, I don't have to be afraid of who I am and what I like. And two people can grow to four and then 20. And it's a great feeling knowing that it just started with one brave person. Just be that brave person. Thank you all for joining us today. And then again, thank you, Jenny and Kat, for sharing your very personal stories with us. If you'd like to share your story um, on our podcast, you can email us your story at alwayspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Knox. listening to Always, the Potter Fandom Podcast. For more information on many of the events and sites discussed here, please visit our website at www.alwayspodcast.com. And we want to hear from you. Check out our submission forms on our website or email us at alwayspodcast at gmail.com. Everyone have a safe, happy, and healthy new year.